Last week, we talked about building awareness for your cause with a marketing genius. This week, we interview an international pop rock charting musician about the twists and turns of being an entrepreneur inside and outside of the nonprofit space. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We are super pumped today. We have James Anthony Benincasa with us. So thank you so much, James, for yeah. being here. Sweet. Um, James is phenomenal. He is in A Summer High, the band. He's toured 16 countries in Europe a couple of years ago. They went on a massive tour. They hit number 13 on iTunes uh, for the pop charts. That's incredible. Um, seriously amazing. He sold out shows in London and LA. And recently, with everything going on with COVID, he was actually transitioned into some entrepreneurial work that he's always cared about doing um, and also got involved in some nonprofit work doing music. And so we're super excited to be able to talk to you today specifically about how you've transitioned from, you know, you had you were touring and doing everything yeah, that people le- want to do. Legit rock star lifestyle. Yeah, legit rock star lifestyle, brought it into the nonprofit. And then at the same time, in the middle of an interesting year, you started out with real estate and day trading, and it's just a really cool balance that you've struck. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And as we're getting started, James, would you just kind of tell our listeners a little bit about your story and how you got to this place? Yeah, so um, a little backstory in the band, too. So I actually was in a local band, and we kind of were fizzling out. So I wanted more. All my buddies ended up wanting to go to college. So I was trying to find people who would do the same thing I wanted to do, same kind of music, same who had the same vision, I guess, mm-hmm. which is really hard to find. That's one of the hardest things in starting like a business or a nonprofit or a band is finding people with that same vision. And I ended up finding um, Mason and Luke, which were my other band members in Pennsylvania. Weirdly, I found them on Facebook. They had just started like another project. Um, and I saw their band come up. It was exactly what I wanted to do. So I kind of merged that by um, saying, hey, I know this is crazy, but like we're going to be big one day. I'm going to move across the country to uh, Pittsburgh. I'm going to live with one of you guys. We're going to start a band. We're going to like go on tour. We're going to like make it big. And I'm like, that sounds crazy. Uh, I actually ended up talking to them a lot. I bought a one-way ticket uh, literally to go to <laughs> Pittsburgh in about wow. t- 2016. I was 19 years old. They could have been creepers or something, you know, on the other side. They could have been like fake people. But no, but uh, after talking to them a lot, we had the same vision. So, uh, you know, we worked super hard, super hard for a long time. And then uh, from our past connections, we got on tours and kind of from there we got management. We were signed to a label for a little bit. And yeah, we got to tour kind of all over. So that's the backstory kind of on the band. I mean, it can go way more in depth on all the fun stories and times, but, um, yeah, I kind of, um, one of the members wanted something kind of else. And we kind of got to this point where we were touring across the country and across the world. And we were a little, um, 
I don't know, we were just dissatisfied, which is really, it's kind of sad to think that we were living, you know, the dream I was chasing since I was like six years old. It's when I picked <laughs> up a guitar for the first time and I was like, I'm going to be a rock star. And um, yeah, it was super hard to kind of come to that crossroads of, is this what we want to do in 20 years? Are we going to be happy and fulfilled if we do this for decade after decade? And, and we, just to real quick interrupt here, you yeah. guys are about what age are you yeah, having so these conversations? <laughs> this is at 22. This yeah, that is really 20, rare. 20, <laughs> 21, 22. Yeah, That's so. usually the question people ask when they're 40. Do I, do I, do I be really want to be doing this still? Yeah, so uh, we're, we're intellects. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, so we... Um, we ended up kind of talking about it. We're like, hey, maybe this isn't something that we all want to be full steam in. And at that time, I kind of was the only one that was like, I still kind of wanted to be full steam. Um, and that's when the uh, church came up and I saw that there was a cool stage and cool lights and stuff. I was like, hey, this is a little bit, um, this is kind of like touring in a band. So I kind of got into that and I learned that, you know, I don't know, I, I felt more fulfilled when it was for a mission versus just, you know, taking all the glory and all the success on, on myself. It was hmm. for like a bigger purpose. And that's really what resonated with me with switching to like a nonprofit from, from the band. You know, we still release music online and do that kind of thing, but we took a very big backseat hmm. compared to where we were. And from that, you know, I've always been a hustler. I've always tried to, you know, in high school, <clears throat> I tried selling candy bars and gum and stuff like that. So I always <laughs> have, too. That yeah. was my first business yep, I've always been that I, I would mow lawns for like 20 bucks or whatever. And, um, I was like, what can I get into that I'm passionate about? And, um, along with the nonprofit, cause that's, you know, more on the weekends. Um, I figured I could get into real estate because I had a passion for it. My family had moved like 15 times in our lives, been through a lot of houses. I've been through the process <laughs> at eight years old. I, I, um, I heard my dad on the phone all the time. He's talking about mortgages. So I know a lot of the language. So I, I went for that, got my license. And, um, yeah, from that in 2020, so many people have had just such a rough, hard year. And this has yeah. been one of the, one of the best years for me. And it's kind of, interesting um on the balance of you know friends that have had some of the worst years and it's it's cool to be able to inspire people and kind of lead people through a dark year when you're personally doing well in a year like this so yeah. it was super interesting to just be grateful for everything that's been provided for me and everything like that so that's cool and, and this is a you brought up so many awesome points and yeah, the kind sorry. of things that we like to No, this is, <laughs> no, this is good. Great. That's why we take notes on these little post-it notes. Um, you had mentioned that like when you first set out with the band, you gathered the right people around you. And that's something that we talk about with our clients all the time mm -hmm. too, is the importance, the massive importance of asking who first, like knowing who is going to be doing this with me, whether that's a nonprofit or a for-profit or mm -hmm. any kind of venture is like, who's going to be doing this with me and finding the right people. Because, I can totally relate and understand with the whole band thing because there are tons of garage bands out there where like one person really wants to like do it. And then the other yeah. people are kind of like, eh, and they like don't practice and they they don't show up for practice and, and like all of that stuff. And musicians are notoriously like the worst yep. for this kind of thing. So the fact that <laughs> you were breed. able to, uh, to, to figure out how can I get around this problem of problem musicians <laughs> is huge, right? Yeah, I landed in Pittsburgh from that. I found the guys online on yeah. Facebook. I just it's just a smart them. idea. Just <laughs> yeah. like, hey, why don't I just go to some people who are already like clearly 
you know, well, I think care about this. Part of it, when you find people with the same vision as mm-hmm. you, the same heart, the same like we're all moving in the same direction, it suddenly becomes I want to go where they go. Yeah. Or we need to be together because finding people who are like minded and like hearted. Um, it's really tough, I think, sometimes when you found them and you're like, okay, I'm going to go find them because I'm sure you knew what was out there. You finally found people that you connected with. What did the people around you say about your you moving? And oh, moving? yeah. So my like, especially my parents, you know, they're they're people that kind of raised me to to chase my dreams and like think big, dream big. Um, but yeah, they were, they thought I was absolutely crazy and I, <laughs> Dream big, I, not that big. <laughs> I didn't tell them, I didn't tell them that it was a, uh, a one-way ticket either. I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay out there for a week. And you know, I ended up, <laughs> I stayed out there for like a month and a half the first time. And I, I ended up coming home to get my stuff to like literally move out there with them. And oh I gosh. actually kind of went like, we ended up, um, moving into my band members, grandma's house for a while until we found a spot. Um, and she was super supportive. You know, we would help around the house and um, yeah, it was super crazy. A lot of people thought, especially the guys that I was previously in a band with, they thought I was absolutely crazy. Um, but I just had this, <laughs> like I said, like I had this vision that yep. I was like, I I can make this work. I just need the people and the resources around me. But I one thing I realized I did, I didn't wait for something to happen. I went and like made it happen. Um, Absolutely. So that's, I think that's a really important thing, especially in business is um, if you just wait for the perfect moment, it's never going to happen. But if you, Mm -hmm. um, if you stop waiting and just get up and and make the move and go do it, you're going to actually be way more successful. Even if it's goes a little off course or if it's not exactly what you picture this perfect life, you know, because the band was not easy at all. Um, But I didn't care about that. I knew where I wanted to be and I wanted to just enjoy the journey along the way. Yeah, we've talked about that before, too, because like Lisa's tendency used to be to wait until she was 100 percent sure about something Mm -hmm. to be able to move. And the the fact is you're never going to be 100 percent sure about anything. Reality says that. And at, at the most, you can be like 70% sure about what's yep. going to happen. Yeah. And by the time you're 100% sure, circumstances have changed and life has moved on. And now everything that you contemplated, none of it's the same. So you're back to not knowing again. Right. You're it's back fun. to not knowing again, or you're way late to the train. And like that train has long it. left the station. You lost yeah. the chance to jump at that. Huh. And so the fact that you, you, you know, you did that is huge. But then also thinking through, you know, you brought, you, you, you did the research, right? Mm-hmm. You knew that going out there, you had a higher chance of succeeding with this than staying back here. So like, that's, that's a big piece of it. You didn't just randomly jump. And mm-hmm. from a lot of people's mind, like perspective, it looked like that. Yeah. <laughs> but you had already done the due diligence of like doing the research. So percentage chance percentage uh, percentage wise how sure do you do you think you were in reality when you like moved out there um <laughs> i was probably you know on a that dream big aspect I, you know, I was the full hundred but in a like an actual reality i was probably <laughs> like 40 percent. you know and that <laughs> that's huge i think a lot of people sell it short and say like i've got to be like really really sure but like and you took you took baby steps. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a one way ticket, but yeah. you can buy another one way ticket. To yeah. come I back. think though, <laughs> the dream big being hundred percent sure is huge. Because mm-hmm. I think some people are forty percent sure, but they don't dream big. Yeah, and so they talk themselves out of it because they assume the worst about the potential of it, versus saying like, no, there's actually a possibility here, and that's 
super cool. Yeah, I think in our band, like, I personally think I love our music and everything, but there wasn't anything more special about us than any other band I've really seen that has worked really hard. And I think the thing that set us um, in the direction of, of succeeding was just always working so hard and just shooting for the stars because if you have that vision and you you have a vision board and you try to manifest it every single day Mm -hmm. it was just crazy i had a realization like when we went on our first international tour and we were in in the uk um it was just so crazy to think that just a couple years before i was in a garage practicing you know like just praying praying to god that something crazy would happen or something big would happen and instead of just praying about it instead of actually just waiting for it i went out and tried to make it a thing but Mm -hmm. it was really cool to see that that hard work really does pay off you just have to start you just have to do it and go for what you love yeah that's good as you were out there so you talked about you know you actually got to do it Mm -hmm. which is awesome um, but then you had that moment of dissatisfaction. And what you said was you're more fulfilled with the mission to mm-hmm. help other people now. Um, what advice would you have for someone who maybe actually achieved the career that they want? Mm-hmm. Like they're currently working on something. They've had that level of success. They're starting to feel dissatisfied. What advice would you have for them mm-hmm. so that they can kind of start to figure out how to bring like actual satisfaction into their lives now that they've hit the point and realized, oh, it really, it's not filling what I thought it was going to. Yeah. How many 23-year-olds do you think are asked that question? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not many. (laughs) Right. Uh, But no, I I think the, um, I don't know. I've realized that at a really young age, and I'm really lucky that I've realized this is, you need to do something in your life that's beyond yourself. So um, like with the band, you know, I was living my dream. It was me. It was me, me, me. But it wasn't, even the fans, you know, they got something out of the show, but it was, they were just, you know, idolizing me. And it wasn't, um, I don't know, it, was, it wasn't anything that could move bigger than myself or like, like my legacy. So one of sure. the biggest things I, I came to realize, I guess at a, yeah, at a young age was um, I want to do something that will make an impact on others but the right impact. I don't want to, you know, mm. make music that people will listen to for five <laughs> seconds and be like, this is cool, but um, I'm still, you know, broken in life or hard or going through hardships or something like that. I, I wanted to be a part of a mission that, that just conquers like a greater good. And for me, that that's church. And I, I think, um, you know, leading people to Christ and just being with people in their faith is super important. And um, I don't know, I think no matter how successful you get, you always have that inclination in our in our conscience to yep. help other people. And that's, I guess that's the biggest thing is switching to something bigger than yourself. I mean, you can still, like I'm doing real estate right now and I'm doing church and I'm doing some stuff for me and my legacy and then I'm doing things for other people, so. Um, well, I think that's something about legacy is it's not always our... Um, technical legacy like sometimes Mm -hmm. we think legacy as my kids my grandkids my great-grandkids but there's the other part of legacy that's the people that you touch that aren't even in your family tree yeah and then being able to play a role in impacting their legacies i think that's the coolest part personally is being able to do that um i like what you said the impact versus the right impact how did you find out that church for you was the right impact like, was it just a moment? Did you kind of start slowly? Like, what was that process like? Yeah, so um, 
really transitioning between I was still doing the band and what I kind of realized was when we were touring in different countries and things like that it was so fun and I I was I had a lot of um of joy but not like satisfaction so kind of determining that hmm. I needed something more was super important to me and when I started um coming to church I think it the band kind of led me more to church because it was like I ha- I have everything I wanted in the world, but it's still not enough. Um, so for me, finding faith was that deeper. It was that full, the fullness. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was super, super interesting going to the church at first. You know, I still was really, you know, bummed about kind of switching from the dream I had because when you dream big and you you have it, you don't want to feel like a failure when you pivot to your next <laughs> venture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I didn't want to be looked at as a failure. I just wanted to be, um, you know, do what I wanted to do to feel f- fulfilled. But it, it was hard. You know, I still have moments where I'm looking back at what I was doing before. I'm like, man, like, was I, did I make the dumbest choice ever? Or, you know, am I where am I, am I where I'm supposed to be? And I think, um, I don't know the the directions you go. You just gotta you gotta rock with them and make them the best at where you're at. I think what you just said is huge because you have to have your own a good understanding of your own definition of success. Mm-hmm. What does success actually look like? And then you have to be willing to understand other people's definition of success is going to be different. Yeah. So when I pivot, like in your in your perspective, from what you've seen, the the satisfaction versus the joy, which I think is a really awesome uh, distinction. You have to be willing to understand that other people are not going to see this as a step up, mm-hmm. even though you see it as a step up, because their definition of success is giant crowds, lights, yep. touring, all this stuff. Your definition of success is joy is not the same as satisfaction. I need a deep rooted sense of fulfillment mm-hmm. with this, not just this big thing. But I think, you know, people always think big <laughs> means large Mm-hmm. But big can mean deep too, yeah. like yeah. really, really important work. Yeah, and I think the important goes uh, unnoticed. It's always about yep. you know what's around here and what's surface level, but the actual importance in life. A lot of things that are really important are not important are not important to people. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of like an upside down world that we live in, where people expect the most important things to be the most flashy, big public things. But really, I think the most, I mean, there's a reason why Mother Teresa is is hailed as like one of the best humans ever, because she did extremely important work and she did it so humbly mm-hmm. that people are like, whoa, that was really important. And that, I mean, because of that, she left a legacy where there are like tons of like billionaires that died in obscurity, but she's... <laughs> she's hailed as like one of the best people ever. So, yeah. I mean, there's something to be definitely be said about that. Like what's important versus what is just big. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I like that too. <laughs> I like so, that too. That's why I said it. Yeah. I know you're smart. <laughs> Quote Ted 2021. <laughs> so switching gears a little bit as you started at the church um, and you kind of started doing that, you also started doing real estate and I know some day trade trading in the midst of, um, everything going on in 2020. So how has that worked for you? Because I think sometimes people think if I start in nonprofit, I have to do nonprofit full time or not mm. do it at all. Mm. So how has that looked like for you working 
kind of in both areas and having a couple different things going on at the same time. Yeah, I, I personally think that it it doesn't matter if you're in nonprofit, you can still have a for profit on the side. Um, a lot of people I've, I've realized that a lot of people think if they're a nonprofit, they have to, um, you know, stick only to that. And there's no going around that. I've I found a good balance. You know, I, I can work at a church and I can still do real estate. I can still, um, you know, invest my money, do things like that. And, you know, and obviously I'm investing my time and some of my money in the church as well. Um, but, yeah, I think there's definitely room to have both both in life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird how people segment them. And mm-hmm. recently we were listening to uh, just a Dave Ramsey video and a lady was talking about I think I'm starting a nonprofit and he's like, "Why?" <laughs> and she's like, "Well, you know, I want to I want to help people and I want to do this thing and I just feel like it's the right thing to do." He's like, "That's stupid." Like yeah. I don't think he, he didn't say <laughs> he it like didn't this. He didn't say but, that. It's Dave Ramsey. He's, <laughs> yeah. But he, he's he's, he's, he's nicer, nicer than, than us. <laughs> but but he was like, "That's stupid. Nonprofit is just a tax distinction. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's holy yeah. because it's a nonprofit." Yeah. It's like there are ways to run for profits that are more dignified than ways that some people run nonprofits. Yeah. It's like it's just really you do have to figure out that they're not really all that different, mm-hmm. but uh, they are. But a lot of people think of them differently, mm-hmm. so you have to you do have to take that into account. Well, I think it's one of those things that people think of nonprofit as a heart thing. Like they have the heart of a nonprofit. It's like no nonprofit and for profit are just different ways to run your taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and one and they can actually nonprofit can sometimes be a lot more complicated, um, but. <clears throat> impact is a heart issue. Like caring about people is a heart issue. And so mm-hmm. you can have a socially focused for-profit and actually be doing more than some nonprofits do sometimes. Um, so it really isn't about what the tax designation is. It's yeah. about finding the way that is the most, that's going to make the most impact with what it is that you want to do. Yeah, like for instance, even my real estate, the business I'm building around my real estate right now too is... Um, with my clients, I'm working with a lot of first-time homebuyers, a lot of people that didn't even know they could um, get approved and qualify for a house. So it's really cool to see. I've been working with a lot of people, um, and even though it's for-profit, I'm helping so many people get their first home. Absolutely. I'm helping people build their credit. Um, a lot of my clients, too, I help them um, with their leftover money, kind of get some basic stock investments going. So I, I've kind of been helping my clients in a full circle of their wealth side of things. I've also been inviting them to my church, you know, but <laughs> um, but it's really cool to see um, a for-profit can be have just as much heart, like you were saying, as yep. a non-profit. It really comes down to what's the heart and the vision of the person who's at the head of that organization. And so for all of our listeners, whether you're in the for-profit or the non-profit, like this is a really good kind of moment to to look into yourself and say like what are, what's the thing that I actually want to accomplish mm-hmm. and am I using my tax designation as an excuse to not do that? That's good. Like holy cow, that's a really, <laughs> that's a big deal. But that's like a big question. I mean, like nonprofits will look at themselves and say, well, I'm a nonprofit, so I can't really accomplish all that much mm-hmm. because the fundraising is hard and because I have to whatever and I have to do what the board says and all that. And a for-profit's like, well, you know, I can't really do what my heart's saying because we have to meet budget and we have to, you know, we have mm-hmm. to have the, the, the profits have to go up. We have, or, you know, if you have, if you're a corporation, right, like we have to, the stockholders have to be happy. Yeah. It's like, don't hide behind your tax designation. That, that, that's really silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
do the thing that you were meant to accomplish. Yeah. And, and, um, it's really good to be focused and centered on one thing, but, but you can do more than one thing at one time. And I've realized, um, like, especially like I want to be a pastor one day, but I still, my goal is still going to be along with, uh, leading people to Christ. I want to, you know, buy real estate properties and kind of develop like a legacy for my family. And, uh, that's one of the biggest goals I kind of have now moving forward to is, is, uh, buying investment properties and things like that. Um, I was actually lucky enough to buy my first house this year, which is really awesome. It's, I bought a duplex so I can rent out one side, live in the other, um, and kind of want to multiply that, but I can still do that while, um, being full in on, on the nonprofit I'm involved in. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say too. So now looking forward, what are the next kind of big hills that you're wanting to take? So you had mentioned before we even started, uh, recording, you had mentioned something about like, you're looking into like starting some YouTube stuff and like possibly a podcast or like, tell us a little bit about what you're looking on doing. Yeah. So I, I've done a couple YouTube videos actually already, but I'm really, um, I'm building up content right now. And my goal is to pretty much do a finance channel for anyone that's wanting to know um, from investing in real estate to doing uh, stocks, just kind of the all the way around um, finance, how to kind of get ahead, whether they're working at Target or whether they're serving at a restaurant or a real estate agent or kind of wherever they are um, or, you know, no matter what their income is, there's always ways to get ahead in life. Absolutely. And there's a lot of systems that I've learned at a young age that um, are just true in this country and you kind of have to, uh, you, you have to make the right investments and assets to really get ahead. Like real estate and stocks are the, are kind of what's getting people ahead. And, and COVID's kind of exposed that too. If, if you've realized that people that aren't invested in real estate or stocks, anyone who is not involved in those two things were kind of left behind this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see like a lot of people's net worths have gone up. Um, and then the people that weren't able to get into those things were were really kind of left in the really dust. Hurting. Yeah. And even for as much as there were different stimulus plans that went out, mm-hmm. you could definitely see that the stimulus plans favored those who owned businesses, who mm-hmm. owned real estate, and then the money that came in helped people in the stock market. So it's interesting because sometimes it's not even that people um they don't necessarily always know what to do, but they don't realize that there are different rules to the game. Yeah. Yep. And really understanding what it is that you can be doing. It's super cool that you want to be doing that and helping people understand those other that other side of stuff. Yeah. So they really understand how to use it and implement it in a way that yeah. um, does more. And I'm not a licensed, uh, I'm not like a licensed financial <laughs> advisor. I just... Uh, I'll just be a dude on YouTube trying to get my And that's my probably <laughs> smart. I mean, if you get got your license, you probably wouldn't be able to do the YouTube stuff. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> as just, long as I have disclaimers on there, I'm good. No, <laughs> but <laughs> it's true. super cool. A lot of people don't know, you know, you can, um, you can do side hustles. Um, when you're in your business, you can do a side hustle and write it off as tax deductions. And there's ways to, to kind of get ahead in life. It's super cool. Yeah. Oh. This has been a really awesome conversation. Yeah, we'll have to have James on again sometime in the future as well to have more yeah, conversation about definitely. this. Definitely. Yeah. I did want to say, because you have a lot going on, um, how do you, what do you think about the thought when people say, oh, you shouldn't have too many like irons goals or too many irons in the fire or too many whatever? Mm-hmm. How do you approach that? I know how I approach that conversation because I always have a lot going on, but mm-hmm. what is your response when people bring that up? 
Yeah, I I am guilty of being a yes man. I've realized that. So there are some things that I go above and beyond that I'm like, you know, I really don't have time for that. Um, I think the biggest thing is balance and schedule for me. Um, you can do whatever you want to do, but you need to have the balance of like the health side of things. Yeah, if you sleep. if you die while you're doing this, then it's over. <laughs> yeah, you you just wanna you wanna make sure you have everything right in your life with like your health and sleep schedule and everything like that. But I yeah. I think um, you don't want to bite off too much, but. If you think you can do it, I think you can do it. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's well, that's a, a good mindset. I think a lot of people try to take it too careful Yeah, on, on the flip side of that, right? Mm-hmm. It's important to have wisdom. But I mean, I think part of it is, from what I've seen, you're very intentional about your boundaries. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the only way to become intentional about your boundaries is to screw up and realize you need boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also listening to you, there's a difference between having multiple things going on and having too many um different goals in your brain like if you're trying to run after four different things yeah that doesn't work but if you have one very clear vision of where you're going and you have four different things that you're building to bring you to it yep that's totally different and so really understanding does each thing that i'm doing serve the purpose of getting me to my singular vision and do they possibly even like intertwine and intermingle and interact? Like that's a really big deal. The fact that, you know, if you're going to be uh, coaching people a little bit on like investing and real estate and like that kind of stuff, it intermingles really great with the fact that you're an agent and you can help them make those investments. Yeah. So it's like, it, it is really smart it's to, to some people it might sound like, oh my gosh, he's scattershot. He's just like Mr. Shotgun, <laughs> just shooting all over the place. <laughs> But really, it's like, no, this is this is a multi-pronged approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we got to wrap up. But we have a question that we ask every guest in the podcast. And it's a, a, a really, uh, I love this question because we get so many great answers. James, what does building a legacy mean to you? I... Uh... I heard this question in the podcast I listened to, and I didn't even prepare. No. <laughs> that's, that's good, though. The off-the-cuff answers, I think, are, are more fun. Yeah. I think building a legacy is, um, let's see. <laughs> to me, it really is about going a couple generations deep. And mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of 23-year-olds probably don't relatively uh, start to think about that until later <laughs> in life. But um I guess for me, I want to do like a 50-50 rule. 50% of what I try to build up should be for um, people outside of my family and mm. for others. And then 50% should be people of my family or uh, kind of like my heritage. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I I would say building up, you know, faith for me is super important. And then building up um, assets or things that can mm-hmm. can kind of help future generations. So like real estate and things like that. Financial assets and that yeah. kind of stuff. No, that's good. I love that you said a couple <clears throat> generations deep because I think a lot of people think of legacy as a couple of my my generations. And what we've really tried to, to understand too is that generations go wide. So I love the fact that you, you said like you're thinking about both. Yeah, not just 50/50. not just my grandkids, but you're thinking of like somebody else's grandkids too. Yeah. yeah, that's super cool. Well, James, thank you for being on today. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so I have a YouTube channel that I am going to be posting a lot of content on. That's just going to be my name, James Anthony Benacasa on YouTube. And then um, all my social medias are just my name and 
handles are at James Meets Fame. Still haven't changed that yet, but (laughs) that's the one I'm riding with. (laughs) That's good. I like it. We'll have all those uh, links and handles and spelling in the show notes. So definitely take a look down there. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a fantastic interview. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to see what you guys are doing on the podcast and with everything with Legacy Builders as well. If you want to build the tallest building, don't start building at the first floor. Your legacy needs a strong foundation, and our financial class is here to help. Use promo code 2020 for 50% off. You'll get six months of access to this inspiring overhaul of your finances to build a lasting legacy. Visit LegacyBuildersInternational.com slash courses for more info. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com slash courses, and use promo code 2020 by December 31st. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com. 